everybody. Welcome back to the Space Radio Podcast. I am your host, David Coster of the David Coster Band. And of course, the intro that you just heard, that is Space Radio, the anthem of the cosmos. So, uh, today I was thinking about doing a topic that I could go on for probably hours about. But I'm going to try and keep it to just one hour. Or even less than that. I'm gonna try and I'm gonna try and spare you, because this is something that I I'm very passionate about. Um, this is music that changed my life, and it would be none other than the Grateful Dead. It's something that is really interesting to me because, to all the Deadheads and all the people who like jam bands, the Grateful Dead is like the meat and potatoes. Like they're like the Beatles of the jam band community. They are the ones who started it. They are the ones who curated all of this, all of these ideas that led to improv and build-ups and climaxes in jams. Which all kind of came from jazz and stuff like that, but it had never been used in a rock context. Because rock before then had been Elvis Presley and like stuff like that. It wasn't it wasn't like the Grateful Dead. So nobody knew what to think when they came around, but I digress. So today I'd like to talk about what makes the Grateful Dead so special. What makes them one of my favorite bands of all time, if not my favorite band of all time, and many other people's favorite band of all time. And then, I would also like to talk about what makes them some people's least favorite band of all time. Because, for just about every deadhead out there, there's probably ten people who hate the Grateful Dead just as much as that one deadhead loves them. (laughs) So, uh, just to talk a little bit about one quote, that I saw that kind of goes into why I like them so much. It's a great quote. I I don't know who said it. I should have looked it up, actually. I just didn't. (laughs) But the quote is, The dead aren't the best at what they do. They're the only ones who do what they do. Are you kidding me? That's so good! So, basically, that's... Gives it them the okay to suck on stage sometimes, really. Because, you know, sometimes they'd get up there and they were high off their asses and then they would just stink, you know? Or they were having a bad day or stuff like that. Everyone has bad days. So do bands. It's understandable. But when they were at the best of what they could do, like the heightened height of just amazingness that they could offer, they were unmatched. I mean, even people who consider Fish to be the greatest band of all time and, like, that kind of stuff and how they're the continuation of the Grateful Dead. I just think that the Grateful Dead nailed it and encapsulated a sound of the 60s that really I don't see today. I don't feel it today. Uh, It's like a groovy, sort of jovial sound that I have not heard at least in a lot of music. I've heard it in some songs that have been written today, but just it's just not the same. The same soul isn't there. And that's what really makes the Grateful Dead so special. It's that special soul, that groove, that spice <laughs> that just makes them so good. You know, because they're all listening to each other the whole time. It was all about collaboration. 
you know? It was all about listening between musicians. Actively listening. During the song that you're playing, live. And actively listening goes back to... You know, the earliest music that we can even remember, active listening, that comes in choirs. You have to actively listen to know if you're too loud. You have to actively listen to know where you're, you are in the song. You have to actively watch. This is outside of listening. But you have to actively watch the um, conductor to see what tempo they're at. If they're slowing down, if there's a retardando, if there's a crescendo, if there's a decrescendo, you know, there's a whole bunch of things that active listening and watching uh, leads to in music. Not just the, um, not just the classical community or the professional uh, community or anything like that. All music needs to be actively listened to by the player while they're playing it. Because if you put, imagine this, if you put earplugs in and then you put me on stage and you said, okay, sing, not fade away. That's an E. I'd know how to play the E chord on my guitar, but you know, how am I going to know what notes to sing? Now, I already know because it's not fade away. You know, I just have, we just have that ingrained in us, us deadheads. We know that that's the note for not fade away. You know, it's in our hearts. So that's another reason that makes the Grateful Dead so special is their songs transcend the level of other songs. And what I mean by that is take something, for instance, like Terrapin Station. The Terrapin Station medley, which I believe is somewhere around 26 minutes long. That has some of the best advice in it of all time. And some of the greatest musical moments of all time, too. The only song that I personally could compare that level to is Bohemian Rhapsody. And I know people are going to get on my case for that because, oh, you know, Bohemian Rhapsody is played all the time on the radio. And it's just... It is overplayed. It's beaten to death, man. I don't want to hear that song anymore. But you can't deny that it's a work of art. It's an amazing work of art. And honestly, I don't even know how it exists. It shouldn't exist. It's too perfect. <laughs> but back to the dead and not queen. <laughs> um, we were talking about listening and why that's like so important to the sound. So, as the entire band is improving together, it's, like, it's exciting. The listening is crucial to what's happening. And what the listening allows them to do is take the song and apply their emotions to it to change the sound of the song. Because every time they played Scarlet Begonias, it wasn't the same. Jerry wasn't playing that same B chord every single time. Bob was doing, you know, Bobby was doing some different stuff. It wasn't the same Scarlet Begonias every time. They were improving every single time, even during the verses and stuff. I'm, of course, they have licks and whatnot that they have to stick to. But overall, the entire theme of all those songs is improv to make a unique version of that song that had never been played before. That's the idea. That's the whole thing. To, um, capture 
that song in that moment because you're never, ever going to capture that same moment again. No one's going to be playing that same exact solo unless they go back and listen to it and learn it because you're never in that same state of mind. You are who you are in that moment playing the guitar. Five minutes later, you're a different person playing the guitar because five minutes later, you're in a different part of the jam. You could have gone from E to F sharp minor. You could have gone to, you know, a different key. You could have changed tempos. And that's another thing that listening lends itself to. Hearing not what the key is, but what the feeling is and where the feeling is leading. Because if you are rising and you're building up, you're normally going to want to either really highlight your tonic or you could go up to the four. So say we're in E, you could go up to A, and then that would even let you build up even more because you're taking advantage of the four chord, which is this happy, you know, um, beautiful sort of gospel chord that allows you to, yeah, give joy in the song. Then when you reach the top of the climax, you bring it down to the one, back to E, and you're, you're set. So now, imagine this. If the players weren't listening, if Jerry wasn't listening to Bobby and Bill wasn't listening to Brent and, you know, and no one was listening to each other, what would happen when someone wanted to go to a different key? If you're an E and you want to go... If, if I'll be specific. If you're an E major and you want to go to C-sharp major, which has an F in it, and F is a half step off from E, your tonal center of your first key... If someone switches to C-sharp major and someone else is in E, that is going to sound like the <laughs> worst polychord in the existence of humanity. I mean, it's just, it's going to sound terrible because you have so many conflicting notes in there, um, especially the dissonance between the half step uh, between E and F. It would just sound terrible. So if you're actively listening and you're watching and you're paying attention to what people are doing, what notes they're highlighting what rhythms they're playing, what chords they're playing, then you can easily um, charter a path through the jam that can lead you to different keys, different places, different atmospheres, different planets. <laughs> uh, you know, a whole bunch of stuff. It's cool. And just to illustrate how cool it is, I have an example to show you all. And it's from, let me just get it up here. It's obviously Grateful Dead live at, I got my paper, the Broome County Arena, Binghamton, New York, uh, 050979. So, dang, I don't need, I, I can't even remember what month that is. January, February, March, April, May, May, <laughs> it was May 9th, 1979. At the Broome County Arena in Binghamton, New York. This is a specific truckin' that I randomly stumbled upon one day while I was working at BJ's Wholesale Club as a produce clerk. And what I do is I would just... There's this amazing app that I recommend to everybody. It's just, just so cool. If you're into jam bands, this is the app for you. Um, it's called Re-Listen. I have it on both my iPhone and my iPad. 
Uh, I listen to it on my computer. They have a website too, so you can go on there. It just has all of these jam bands on there and all of their shows, and it's amazing. It's crazy how much recorded content they have of all of these bands and how high quality it is. And you can see, at least for the Grateful Dead stuff most of the time, you can see what the lineage of the audio is, like what mixes, or uh, I'm sorry, what mixers it went through, how it was produced and how it was mastered, whatnot, how it was taken from the stage and to an archive. And what's really cool about it is that, you know, there's multiple recordings of each of these shows. So if one of the recordings isn't good enough, you know, you can just go over and listen to another one. And some of the ones, it's really funny. Some of the ones that have five stars, it's, it's based on a star ranking system. Five stars to one star. Each of the concerts is given either one to five stars. Some of the five star ones are not as good as the four star ones that are below them. Which, uh, maybe it's just me, but I just feel like some of them are a little crisper. They don't have as much of the audience, which isn't terrible when you have the audience. But if you're, like, listening to Truckin' and all you hear is... You know, that's... <laughs> it's not what you want to hear when you want to hear, you know, the fill drop, the big... You know, that's not when you... You don't want to hear clapping. You want to hear the fill bomb. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, the Relisten app is amazing. I would definitely recommend you guys download it. It's a wonderful, wonderful application for any musicians out there who have a specific band or, well, jam band in mind because they really don't have other bands outside of jam bands. If you have a specific jam band in mind, you can go on there and listen to so many of their shows. And at the top of the list, they have, they always just have at the top of the list, Grateful Dead, Fish, and then it's alphabetical order of all the rest of the million bands that they have. So I highly recommend you get that app. Super cool stuff, and I've been listening to it all the time. I would play it, like I said, at work. I would just pop my headphones in. And then five hours would go by, and I'd be going home, because that was the end of the show, and the end of my shift. But yes, I have a specific example. 1979, I believe it was May 9th, at the Binghamton, New York, Broome County Arena.
Like, what? Are you kidding me? That's awesome. This stuff is great. That's amazing. I mean, the... So, here's a lot of the concepts that I get just from that minute jam right there. The first part of it. They're in the jungle, is what I like to call it. The jungle. They're in the thick of it. You know, everyone's just on that rhythm. And then you hear Jerry come up with this sort of um, ascending line. You know, and he gets all the way up there. All the way up there. Um... Then you hear Bobby come in. After Jerry gets up there, Bobby comes in on the E. And he does kind of, uh, I think, an octave sort of thing on the E. And he just goes... Then he goes up to the F sharp. Now here's where it gets interesting. The entire song is a is an E major. It's a bluesy song. But it's in E major. Because Jerry is on the E, the high E... Phil's probably on the B or the E, um, and, oh god, it's 1979, so it's Brent, Brent's there, um, Brent's on the keys doing something, I don't know what he's doing, I couldn't really hear him, but, Bill and Mickey are doing the build-up, and then you have Bobby, he goes to the G instead of the G sharp, holy cow, what a genius idea. It completely changes the tone of the song. Completely! It brings them to a completely new place. Entirely different from the the rest of the song. Now, you can say that, of course, the entire jam that just came before it was taking advantage of using blues notes and Gs and A-sharps and Ds. All of those kind of things. You can definitely say that. But the background chords were most of the time leaning towards major. This is entirely... I don't even want to say minor, because... It's a combination of major and minor. I don't even know if it's a combination. It's a psychedelic mode. It's a psychedelic mode. I like that. It's a psychedelic mode, as opposed to Mixolydian and all of the church modes. It's a psychedelic mode that they got into. And that's something that a lot of bands, I feel, don't achieve. <laughs> it's tough to do. Because you have to listen. It all goes back to listening. And Bobby was listening in that moment. He heard that no one else was on that G. That G, that G was ripe for the picking. It was wide open. And he took it and he ran with it. And he goes -na 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 -da 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 on the F sharp, G, A, and then he goes back down to the E. Uh, and I'm going to have to kind of remember how he does this line. And then he does E, F sharp, G, A, and then I think he does an A sharp, A, A sharp. And then that brings them to when they do the huge hit. B, E, E, you know? Super cool stuff. Super, super cool stuff. And it's just... This is one trucking that I've found that 
I think exemplifies all the points of the Grateful Dead and their improv perfectly. I've actually struggled to find other tracks and other songs that truly illustrate the point of what they were capable of at their best. Now, most of the songs from 77 are really good. I, I, and obviously, uh, Cornell is considered to be the best, which I could get down with. I think there's a couple other that deserve that position, but Cornell is definitely a candidate. Cornell 77. Definitely a candidate. But anyways, that jam right there is one of the things that made me realize that Crap, man, there's there's a little more to this band than people think. There's something going on here that's special. And once I heard that, I mean, and I, I had already been listening to the Grateful Dead nonstop before that. But when I heard that moment, that solidified it. I was like, okay, this is the best band of all time. I, I know now. <laughs> I, it was just in that moment. I was like, okay, thanks for letting me know. You're the greatest band of all time. <laughs> so... Moving on from that, listening and all of that kind of stuff. Let's see, because I have a whole bunch of other topics I'd like to talk about. Aha. One of the things that they offer beyond in, uh, beyond having the jams and the improv, their organized parts and their organized songs are just as good as their unorganized jams. And by unorganized, I don't mean bad. I mean improv I mean not preconceived. So one of the other things that they offer is what I like to call cosmic advice. <laughs> and a lot of that cosmic advice, I would venture to say, comes from American Beauty. And then a couple other songs, I could say China Doll, would definitely be one of the songs that offers some great great wisdom for people not necessarily anyone in specific but just for people going through life and ups and downs and just overall themes to remember that will help you better your life I mean it's just some of the words in that song Ugh. take up your china doll it's just a little nervous from the fall Ugh. Oh, my God. Just saying it, I have goosebumps right now. I'm not kidding. <laughs> it's so good. So, one of the things that I've also learned from them is that it's better to let things roll over your shoulders and not let them uh, get caught up in your life. Because whatever you get caught up with and you let bother you, is it's just going to rule your life. It will. That's the truth. That is 100% the truth. So then, if you get rid of that stuff, you wake up in the morning, you have your morning routine, which right now my morning routine is waking up, and then I'm going to do a podcast, and then I'm going to go play some music, and then I'm going to go play some more music, <laughs> and then I'm going to try and book some gigs and do some work, you know? That's the routine. And I'm not going to let myself get caught up in anything that I don't want to get caught up in. It's just the way I do my life. It's my life. I don't want to do stuff that I don't want to do. Except for if it yields a greater good for my music or my family or something like that, you know? If it's something like that, of course, I'll do it. But 
you know, if it's something I don't want to do, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> so, one of the songs that I just recently got into from the dead that really solidified that let everything roll over your shoulders that's bothering you. And that's not to say let everything go. You have to confront problems. But I'm just saying don't get hung up on them all the time. But one of the songs that taught me that is Broke Down Palace. Holy. That song has some wonderful lyrics. Robert Hunter went off in that one. I mean, for real. I, I think the only other song that would be on that level in the Dead's catalog... The only other songs... I, w I would say China Doll first. But the other one, Ripple. Oh, Ripple's so good. You know? I don't know. Don't really care. Let there be songs to fill the air. Oh, my God! Woo! Baby, that's good. So, Broke Down Palace. One of the lyrics that got me is lovers come and go the river roll 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 and that's my interpretation from that is just to keep on rolling don't let anything stop you just like a river you just keep on rolling if someone gives you some bad criticism you take it you you know if there's some good criticism inside of there good but if they're giving you bad criticism that just didn't need to be said at all, take it, throw it in the garbage can and go keep going. You are doing fine. And people are going to try and get on your case and make themselves look better than you all the time. Because people love to do that. Even I've done that. Like, I don't even mean to be like, oh, even I've done that. But everyone's done that. Everyone's done it. And what you do with that is you just take it with a, with a grain of salt and you move on. And you just roll with the changes, which is another song, actually, by REO Speedwagon that illustrates that point pretty well. And that's the line, uh, if you're tired of the same old story, turn some pages. If you don't like what's going on, change it. You don't have to be stagnant. You don't have to do something that you don't like all the time, every single day. There is a life possible out there that you can just go and do what you want. You know? You're going to have to work for it. You're going to have to work just as hard for it as you would have to work for a normal, regular, you know, life. But if you want to have a fun life, you got to do it the fun way, and you got to work hard for it. So if you're tired of the same old story, you got to turn some pages. And those pages might have a couple weights attached to them. <laughs> but... Once you turn them, it's going to be worth it. Another wonderful line from Broke Down Palace. Fare you well, fare you well. I love you more than words can tell. I feel like that line reaches beyond the boundaries of the English language, even though it's said in English. But it's... Because he says, I love you more than words can tell, it implies that there's an emotion lying there beyond anything that can be conveyed by simple words that we've created. You know, it's just so powerful. I love you more than words can tell. Man. 
It's so good. It's rich. It's powerful. It's meaningful. And if you can tell someone that, if you're able to tell someone I love you more than words can tell, that's going to mean a lot to them. It's going to mean a lot to them. Now, we're going to move on to what I feel like is the best line in Broke Down Palace. And this has actually given me recently some guidance that I needed. And I was seeking some help from my friends because I was having just an existential little 20-year-old crisis of, oh man, death. <laughs> you know, it's scary. What comes after it? I talked to them about that. And they helped me, of course, but then this line came along and it just swept away all of my worries. Here's the line. It's a far-gone lullaby sung many years ago. Mama, mama, many worlds I've come since I first left home. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> oh. Mama, mama, many worlds I've come since I first left home. What do you think that means? There are so many meanings inside of that. First off, let's start with the first two words, mama, mama. It's a reminiscent, it's a, it's a nostalgic feeling. It's a feeling of home, mama. Because nothing replaces that feeling of being in your, your parents' arms, you know, your mom or your dad. Nothing replaces that because you know that they'll love you unconditionally. So, Mama Mama, many worlds I've come since I first left home. Which implies that he's left his mama. Many worlds I've come. Many worlds I've come. Does that mean that we possibly go through different dimensions after we die? Do we move on to another world? Do move on to another galaxy, a planet, another dimension, universe? Or is it another Earth? Or is it heaven? Or is it, you know, what is it? I just don't... At this point in time, I'm struggling with that. And I fully, I do fully believe in heaven. I feel like that there's an afterlife. And an eternal afterlife. I just, at this point in time, I'm struggling to figure out what it is. But this line definitely solidified my belief in the afterlife for sure. Mama, mama, many worlds I've come since I first left home. Because that implies that there has been a death. There has been a parting from a previous body. And an arrival to a new body. Which is a very interesting concept and not something that really gets talked about in music a lot. It's a very out there, far out cosmic idea. Uh, you know, pretty cool stuff. So now, I'm moving on to my my final page. My final page for the Grateful Dead podcast. So we're probably not going to reach an hour, but that's okay. I'm cool with going probably like 40 minutes, I'm thinking. If y'all are cool with that. <laughs> so, that kind of covers the American beauty side of things. Like the spatial advice sort of songs. And that created the foundation of the emotions that they wanted to evoke from their audience. That created 
the cosmic wisdom that the deadheads were craving from the dead. But another thing I learned from them is not just evoking emotion from your words, but evoking emotion from your playing, too. Oh, man, that's cool. Because I didn't think that was possible before. I didn't think that was really possible. I knew that you could obviously have someone be excited if you're playing really fast. Or if you're playing really slow, you can have someone get this sort of dreary lullaby tired feeling but I didn't know that major minor all the modes including the psychedelic mode and all of those things as well as volume of your playing your length that you hold a note uh, let's see what else the pitch you know the 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 octave that you're in because if you're playing an E really down low that's gonna give a different feeling than an E12, you know? An, e, an E1 is going to give a completely different feeling than an E7. And harmonies change that as well. The tone that you're using, the timbre, you know, volume, all these things. It's There's so many things that can affect the emotion that you are bringing up. And the reason why I know this is real is because there is... There is a road. <laughs> but there is a post that I saw. I can't remember where, but it was about Jerry Garcia. And he apparently, during Morning Dew, which is one a very beautiful song, uh, Walk Me Out in the Morning, Do My Honey, you know, and all these all these great lines. During his solo, Jerry was crying. Now, this could easily be interpreted as he was crying because of the music. But you can't forget, maybe he was crying about something that was going on in his life. But let's just imagine that he was crying because of the music. Isn't that beautiful? That's like kind of poetic. Crying because of the music is just so beautiful it's pretty cool that's something that I have gotten before for sure from the Grateful Dead especially uh, from Terrapin Station I think that's one that definitely gives me that that can make me cry <laughs> you know crickets and cicadas sing a rare and different tune Terrapin Station in the shadows of the moon it's just awesome, man. Some of their lyrics are just out of this world. I mean, literally. Mama, 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 many worlds I've come since I first left home. That's from a different planet for sure. There is no arguing that. But instruments can definitely evoke a crazy amount of emotion that I didn't think was possible before. And it's not just guitars. It's not just pianos. It's every single instrument. Even drums, which is not a pitched instrument. Well, actually, I shouldn't say drums. Even percussion, which is not a, pr a pitched instrument. Think about it this way. If you have a tribal beat, boom, 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 boom. That, if, uh, that brings a totally different emotion or feeling than a pop 
hip-hop beat. Totally different. One's a tribal feeling, the other one's a dance feeling. They're completely different, but they're still percussion, and they're evoking different emotions, even though they're not a pitched instrument. They are a... I don't know what the word is. They technically are a pitched instrument. I wouldn't call it that. They're more of a tambored instrument. Or a... I don't know what the word is, but it's not pitched. <laughs> That's what I can tell you. At least in my book. I don't believe that they're a pitched instrument. But, from that, and all the emotions that the Grateful Dead discovered that they could evoke, it inspired me to really think about what, the, uh, what is possible in, uh, in evoking emotion from music. From instruments in, in specific. And the best way I can relate the evoking emotion from instruments is evoking emotion from language. Same thing as the lyrics. But in language, in specifically some languages, the way you say a word, the syllable that you accent, the way you... I don't know. Whole bunch of other stuff. Different ways that you say words. That all affects the meaning of the word. Now, translate that into soloing. Take one note. You can play it soft. You can play it loud. You can play it bent. You can do a hammer-on, you know. I'm trying to, <laughs> trying to impersonate these things with my voice. Uh, but there's so many different things that you can do that kind of makes uh, solo into a language. A fluid language of emotions. And not words. Just completely a language of emotions. Now, the final point I would like to touch on is, for the Grateful Dead, the combination of genres that made up the members of the band. Now, I'm just going to go... I'll go for the original members of the band, because they were the ones who created it. Just, like, flat out just the original ones. So you had... Jerry, who was a banjo player who lived in the Haight-Ashbury area. And he was kind of into all of the sort of old country tunes. And he, did, he, you know, that's where his inspirations, Catfish John, came in. Midnight Moonlight. All of the old and in the way stuff, you know. That was Jerry's influence. Phil Lesh, on the other hand, a completely different world. He was studying classical music, counterpoint melodies, and he understood what the bass meant to a band. Now, Jerry uh, hopped onto that immediately when he saw that Phil understood what the bass meant to a band and what its purpose was. So Jerry asked him, you want to play bass? Phil had never done it before, but Jerry gave it to him, and, you know, once Phil knew the... The notes that are on the bass, the notes of the strings, that was it. He could then form a melody. He could then play a scale. He could then do whatever he wanted to. And from that, Phil became a sort of bassist that not really many other people have come from. He didn't learn bass in the traditional sense. 
he learned bass from previous knowledge that he had, notes that he knew, and all of that kind of stuff. Now, I'm sure he learned along the way from other bassists how to do slap bass and you know, all that kind of stuff. But at first, he was just learning from what he knew. Now, Bill Kreutzmann. Bill Kreutzmann was just a straight-up rock and roll drummer. Just, I, I assume, like Led Zeppelin, stuff like that. And, you know, that's a pretty good fit for the Dead at first because they were a blues band, like an electric blues band. And they were just playing Good Morning Little Schoolgirl and those kind of old bluesy tunes. And then they started branching into Morning Dew. And then aside from Bill, you had Bobby Weir, the man, the myth, the legend. An amazing voice. And I believe he joined the band at 16 or 17, something like that. Just like George Harrison when he joined the Beatles. Bobby joined really young. And just kind of hopped on the bus. He, I'm not really familiar with the kind of music that he liked at the time. But I'm assuming it was just kind of like rock and roll stuff or whatnot. <laughs> I'm not really sure. Then you got Pigpen. Mr. McKernan. Pigpen unfortunately passed away very early in the band's career but was the blood and soul of the band's beginning. Really got them going. I mean, he was the one who vocally improved at a lot, a lot at first, and he was the one who kind of led them into jams because Pigpen would just start talking about random stuff, and they would be like, okay, we have to kind of put music behind this, so let's just go. And Pigpen would just talk and tell stories while they would play music. And obviously it would be stories that lent a message that would help the music by the end of his story. But while the story was going on, they needed to fill that gap with something. Now Pigpen was a blues musician. He played keyboard, he sang, and he did, uh, he played harmonica. And he did it damn well. The guy was awesome. The guy was really cool. And the, the, what is that, five? I can't even count. <laughs> the five of them came together. They're originally the Warlocks. But then they came to be the Grateful Dead. Now that's just a few things about the band that makes me love them more than any other band in the world at the moment. Sure, there's a lot more things that I could mention. But I'm sure you're tired of hearing about one band... <laughs> by now for 45 minutes so I'll cut you loose I really appreciate everyone who's listened so far it is awesome all of the music you've heard so far is the David Coster band except for that little clip of Truckin' that I played earlier that was the Grateful Dead of course but all the music you've heard so far is the David Coster band all my music I just released my new album Woodhaven Road on Spotify iTunes YouTube all over so if you'd like to listen to that, that would be super cool. It would be greatly appreciated. Thank you for tuning in to the Space Radio. And now it's time to jam on. Peace out, everybody. Through the wall, you are here inside this song. Now it's time to...